Hi, my name is David Siegler and welcome to my podcast. Hi, property sourcing profiteers. Anyone out there in property sourcing land, sourcing deals for profit, this is the podcast for you. And I'm really, really excited uh, today because I've got a super guest uh, on uh, my podcast episode this morning, somebody I met couple of years ago, she's got a wealth of experience in, in property, in development, in interior design, in sourcing and selling deals, in life, Violet, haven't you? And yes. uh, property sourcing profiteers, put your hands together for the wonderful Violet Harrison. Yay! Welcome, Violet. Thank you, David. <laughs> So we met a couple of uh, years ago when you went to Progressive and you're now a deal. I think you're a deal sourcing machine. That's how I would describe you. Um, But you've got quite an interesting past, if I can put it that way. Mysterious woman from the northeast or further north than that, as people spot in the minute originally. Um, So tell us a bit about your property background and then we'll we'll jump forward to what you're doing today what do you think well i was in i had an interior design business david for about 20 years in the northeast of england and i think a lot of my clients came from features i wrote in the newcastle journal every saturday that there's a homemaker supplement there and I wrote about various aspects of interiors, lighting, flooring, upholstery, fabrics, whatever it was. And I also wrote in the Northumbrian magazine features on stately homes and the history of the furnishings. And and then I, all, I spoke at ladies' lunches around the area into Scotland as well. And I think from that came an awful lot of interesting people who just wanted to help with their interiors. And they weren't all wealthy people. A lot of them were just, you know, basic or nice people who wanted a nice home to live in. And then about 15 years ago... Can I pause you there? Okay. Yeah. So um, interiors, I'm intrigued by that. Did you have yeah. to stay at that time on the cutting edge of all the new stuff? That oh, absolutely. Happening? So, you know, yeah. you went from sort of 50 shades of beige to... Fifty Shades of Grey and beyond, right? And, or whatever it was at the time. Is that what you did? You know, well, not- yes. I, I came to London quite a lot, actually, because uh, styles and fashions are changing all the time. And products, I mean, uh, being in Northumberland, a lot of the old stone houses just cried out for um, gorgeous traditional stuff. But they weren't all that in Newcastle. In some of the executive apartments um, where I had lots of clients, it was something quite different. So, um, but yes, fascinating business to be in. I loved every minute and, and I would still do it, but I got into property. Okay. Um, well, tell us about that. You touched, I interrupted you, you touched on 15 years ago. So what happened yeah. to get you from interior to doing the whole property thing? Well, I carried on with the interiors, but I lost my husband and I had two youngsters at university at the time. And I thought, hmm, what am I going to do to make sure that these two young people are secure in their apartments, and their um, degrees, whatever. So I decided to buy a property for one of them to live in. And they were both on long degrees. And um, it was just absolutely disgusting. I thought, I can't put anyone in here to live. I've just gutted the whole thing out, David, if you don't mind that word. 
and made it brand new. And the, my son actually shared the apartment with one of his fellow students, and that helped to fund it. And then for my daughter, it was something similar. And But at the time, I didn't want to be a landlord. I thought, I just don't want to have anything to do with tenants. But of course, that has changed as the years gone on. So I actually flipped that first property or the second one, David, accidentally. Um, and since then, I've flipped about 20 properties and I just love it. And I, um, let, me, let me, I've got to jump in there. Uh, the accidental flipper, right? So um, tell us about the challenges of finding a property to flip because, um, you know, I worked in the north, northwest as opposed to the northeast. And my challenge always was finding something with enough profit in it at the end of the day. Because if you try flipping properties at around 100 grand, Byla, I find I find it quite challenging to get a decent return on what is six months, nine months work. How, how did you deal with that challenge? If you did 20 or so, how did you deal with that challenge? What, what was your target profit? Did you how much sort of profit typically? Well, I didn't, David. Back ten, fifteen years ago, there was there was no training that I was aware of, mm. and the um, there was no refinancing that I was aware of. There probably was, but I didn't know any of that, and I kind of accidentally um, got into city centre apartments. Now those were student either student apartments or professional apartments. And that was just because my youngsters were in the city centre, not because I chose to be there for any particular reason. I didn't know very much at all, David, regards flipping property. All I knew was that, um, from my experience, people love a nice place to live in. And I think, well, why sh shouldn't students have nice places to live in, rightly or wrongly? I mean, but um, so from there, I just kind of stuck to the city centre. But of course... Recently, in recent years, it's been more of the semis in the suburbs and, you know, something different. But that was kind of well, what attracted tell us, me. Tell us about the semis in the suburbs. So uh, you'd find something a bit unloved, a bit ugly, a bit run down, add value to it using your skills and experience, interior and obviously making the exterior sound, uh, sound. and then you'd sell it for a profit. Was that a typical flip? Well, yes, and then I gradually um, started sourcing them for investors who would say, I would like to do this. But the thing was, David, I think I because I had a huge network, I mean, I was a director with BNI for 10 years, and I was also a great networker, I still am, I love people, and I knew a lot of the agents in the city, and I would say, you know, can you find me something that I can turn into a nice house? And if we look around, we see so many deceased properties you know that the family are trying to sell and i would say to them look this is just a gorgeous house but does anyone want to buy a house in this state um you know i was quite blunt about it and i said if we spend some money on it and make this a lovely property they'll be queuing up to buy it and you'll get a higher price than what you're asking for now so an assistant we would we in terms of we understand today it's in this assisted side right yes so, yeah what was your what was your connection with the vendor? Did you get paid? I think I'm asking you. Oh yes, yes. You know, I've never ever touched wood, David. It had a problem with a vendor, estate agent, tenant, whatever. I don't know. I just might happen to have been lucky or something. But 
um, yes, I've dealt with a lot of lovely people um, over with, I mean, there are lots of unlovely people, I'm sure. And typically, you know, what sort of per deal, um, now they weren't all the same, I'll get that. What sort of money would you earn out of a flip? Go on, round, roundhouse figures, Tyler. I'm not, I'm not going to hold you to it. Give me let's that. Say, let's say 15, 20,000, David. Good. Back then, of course, I had no training. I, I wasn't working out my figures like that. It just happened. Right. Um, did, you ever do any, did you ever do any that lost money? I'll, I'll, I'll lead no. you. I put my, well, I have. I put I put mm. the flip. Right. No, I've broken even a little, well, a bit, little bit better than that, but I haven't made good money on all of them. Let's put it that way. Yeah. But my target was to turn the property around from receiving the keys until handing them to a new owner was six months, David. And the quickest I ever did it was five months. So uh, that, that's really, really good. I mean, I used to do one a year, but, you know, I wasn't, mm. I wasn't on patch and... You know, I was working remotely because they were in the north. I was in the south, right? Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. You mentioned something, which again, you're full of a woman of many parts, Viola, full of surprises. Uh, BNI, <laughs> you were a director of BNI. So there's mm. a couple of things about BNI. BNI has come up in, in my life in the last couple of weeks. People have mentioned BNI a lot, asking whether it's um, a really good networking group to get the sort of contacts you need to promote your property business. I will caveat any comments that you make saying uh, it's the only organisation that uh, I've ever been expelled from, um, the Hove Albion branch. God bless you all if you're listening. <laughs> I was asked not to come back. I'll explain as we move forward. Um, but BNI, okay, so you have to get up really early. You have to go and eat a lot of breakfast. Um, and you try and network, but is it something people listening to this will be looking for places they can go and find contacts, investors, whatever they need for their business? What, what would you say about BNI? Um, I absolutely loved it, David. And you know, it's like anything else. If you work at it, it's going to work for you. And probably in my business as an interior designer, not everyone was coming to offer me, you know, contracts as, for interior design. But I, I did my utmost to try and get business for all of the people in the group that I was originally a member of. And that pays off. People say, oh, gosh, she's made the effort to get me this. I'm going to, you know, and um, that's, B&I is great. If you can't go in and expect everyone to hand you business on a piece of plate, on a plate, um, it's how much you, effort you put into that and anything you go into, David, if you don't put the effort in, it's never going to work, is it? Oh, yes. There, that, that obviously is where I went wrong, Viola, because I joined the Hove, as in Brighton and Hove group, uh, but at that time, every other week, I was working in Manchester. So, mm -hmm. I was, And then I'd come back and find some investors in Brighton and Hove and then go back to Manchester, and you know... The one of the rules is you have to attend every meeting. You have to go every yeah, meeting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you're allowed to send a deputy. Someone's allowed to yes. send in for you. So yeah. on the Wednesday morning, um, the present Mrs. Siegler, God bless her, she, she reluctantly, quarter to seven in the morning, right, uh, agreed to step in for me. But it ended badly, Violet, because what I didn't suss out that was on Wednesday mornings was her Slimming World group. 
And before having eaten nothing but dust since Sunday night to get, you know, weighed on Wednesday, uh, she then had to sit and watch 30 people eat a full English breakfast with all the paraphernalia and snails and things like that. So that, that ended badly. Um, and um, because I wasn't going, I was expelled. Who knew, who knew it would end badly like that? Mm. Well, it's a, it's it's about relationships, David. Mm. If you build up confidence and trust with your fellow members, they trust you. They know that you know you're a genuine person, and that they can. But as I say, with the interiors, it wasn't as though I got an awful lot from it every week. Whereas the plumbers were, you know, inundated with referrals for jobs that had to be done. But from that, David, I found my um, trades team. And I still have that trades team today, plumbers, electricians, trusted guys. Who yes. still... Yeah, mm. I, get that. I, get, I could see that because uh, the people who got the work in the room, you know, the top, mm. top level, were the, the odd job guy, the, 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 the dentist definitely the accountants, solicitors, you know, they, they network really, really strongly. Me trying to sell somebody a house at seven o'clock on a Wednesday morning didn't always go yeah, too, too well. <laughs> um, but, you know, I mean, I did probably, I did think end of a year with it before I had to let it go. So that's cool. Mm. Um, so director of BNI, that's really, really good. So if you're listening out there, property sourcing properties, get down to your local BNI. You can go as a, from memory, you can go as a guest. I doubt if they changed it for the first meeting or, to maybe um, to see if they they like the cut of your jib and you don't clash with anybody else in the room. Is that fair? Absolutely, absolutely, yes. Cool. So moving on to you. Um, so you had this moment where you had to change what you were doing. You wanted to make some money because your son and daughter were on sort of quite long um, career-based uh, degree courses, right? Yeah, I mean, your son became an architect. That's about a 30-year degree, isn't it? It goes on forever. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it. Uh, so um, how did you make a start into property? What, what was your initial, because this is pre-training, we're still pre-training, and I will bring it up to date shortly, right? But pre so what, what were you doing? You were helping people with flips. What about your own portfolio? Was there any thought about buying stuff yourself or you didn't like tenants, but at what point did that change? Well, I did. Yes, I ended up buying a few, and um, because, of course, when I when I sold one, of course, so then I shockingly had a lump sum of money had come back my way, which you know <laughs> um, was something different. And then, of course, being you know someone who just loves properties, I then started looking for other old properties that I could make brand new. Let's say. Um, because I just knew that if someone walks into a rental property or a, a, a sale property, David, they make a decision in the first, what was it, 10 seconds or something. And the same with um, with every property. People say, wow, I like this. I've got to have it at whatever price. And I found that with the rental properties, this was what the agents were saying to me. Well, actually, you could ask a little bit more rental for this because it's a better um, you know, it's a bit more at market than some of the others. I'm not saying I interior designed those student flats or anything, David, or any of the properties for that matter. It was basic, decent, nice stuff that had a nice focal point so that when people walk in and say, wow, I just love this house, I want to buy it. So it's yeah. a bit of that. So um, in the real world, in the property world, right, it's not a very high bar, is it, Violet? That's in no way 
undermining your skills in presenting a uh, property. But Mm, mm. if you're at anyone who's out there in property viewing a lot of property knows there's some pretty ugly Mm -hmm. stuff out there. And Mm -hmm. if if your stands out from the moment you walk in, so it's pleasing on the eye. Oh, what about smells, Violet? Did you do, did you ever toy with the, you know, bread rolls in the oven or the coffee? Oh, no, 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 I didn't. But actually, David, I wrote a book on how to sell and how to rent your house. And I put all of this into it. And I'm not um, talking about that now, but... Um, it, oh, hang on. Is, is it still in print? Is it still available? Where, I've no idea, David. I'm, I haven't checked recently. She's a director of BNI, I never knew. <laughs> in the book, I never knew. Let's keep going, Violet. So how well, was it? Well, there were so many mistakes that people were making and I thought, you know, they're trying to sell something that's a mess. And people decide in the first 10 minutes by things they see, smells, you mentioned a minute ago, and by even finding the property in the first place, an awful lot of houses have no numbers on them. And, you know, the viewer can get quite a rate trying to find the street, the house with no number on it. They get in there and there's clutter all over the hallway and there's a dog jumping up and down and there's a cat on the kitchen table. (laughs) Um, you know, they'll say, well, I don't need this. I'll go and look at something else. You know, yes. So yeah. the, com- the competition is even more fierce now, isn't it? Yeah, well, you might think so, but I've seen some horrible stuff. I mean, you, you know, um, I think I'm allowed to say you, 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 you met up with my, my other half in my deal packaging business, Adam Seal, last week, and you went to see a, a bit of a monster. I'm sure they're not watching the vendors, but... Um, no. It was vaguely disappointing, even though the pictures were, um, you know, looked workable. Yeah. Maybe there's a bit more yeah. work than needs, you know. So yeah. that's cool. So we're, we're now looking at property. We're flipping. We've got this background of interior design. Where do we go then? Where do we go then, Violet? And this well, is ju- in the northeast, right? Yes. Um, and I continued in that. And I still do, actually. I do a lot of stuff still in the northeast. But... Um, a couple of years ago, we moved to Bedford for family reasons, and um, I thought, oh, great, I'm going to get going in Bedford. Well, of course, the north and the south are two different uh, kettles of fish. And But I had in the northeast, I had attended a lot of Derek Pape's PPN meetings. Again, networking, David, and met an awful lot of people there. Uh, so when I came down here, I thought, right, I'm going to Progressive so that I can meet some people here in the south and polish up on my skills because... You never know everything. You know, I did know a few things, but let's say I had been deal packaged in my own fashion. Um, but, I mean, doing it in my own way, untrained, David, was quite a different thing to being trained by somebody like yourself and, and progressive having a proper masterclass and all the rest of it. Um, and so I then went on to do various other courses as well, which... Yeah, so, so let me pause you there. So we, you met Derek Pape. You went to his meeting. We love Derek Pape, right? And then you came down to Progressive, and it's, it's a great community there. Uh, we, you're a people person, Violet. I mean, that shines through uh, everything that you've said and how you've said it on here. Um, so we met, you and I met, right? Yeah. Um, and we've been working together a little bit along the way. Um, tell, tell friends about that. How did, so you came to Progressive. Uh, and did a few courses. Which ones did you pick? Why did you want to do them? How's it, how's it gone? 
Well, I started off on, on the VIP course. I did that on the masterclass and met some wonderful people, David, not just the trainers, other other people in property at all stages, some just starting, some who'd been like myself in it for a time. Um, and then I thought, well, there's an awful lot I have to learn here, things I didn't know when I started and I'm still learning. Um, but also... Um, the courses that I then decided, well, I need to polish up on my deal package. And I've done it in a kind of basic uh, fashion up until now, not knowing very much at all. So I joined the deal package, and as you know, which must be, I don't know, a couple of years ago now. And um, because in the South here, it's far more of a challenge, but um, things change so much, David, over the years, or things have changed in the property world such a lot over the last few years that you can't just do things any slipshod way. You have to have tick all the boxes and be certified. Certified, that's not the word. Um, oh, what's the word? Compliant. That's it. Com yeah. You have to be compliant in all these. And I mean, I hadn't done any of that before. And so really, it's been a whole new education in lots of different ways being down here in the South. And I just love it. Um but you went back to, so for your packaging, let's talk packaging now, by the way. For your packaging business, um, you went back to source in the northeast, didn't you? Yes. Right. Because you can buy three houses for the price of one down here. Yes. Um, and so, and the return is, you know, quite different. So yeah. obviously I need, I need to be sourced. So uh, I'm, I'm going to just put a shout out to our friends in the south of England, right? Uh, because yeah. you went north and I went north 2004, 5, 6, 7, probably for very similar reasons. Now, speaking for myself, Violet, I wish I hadn't done it. Uh, I mm -hmm. wish, and I've said this previously, that I just honed my skills and got more better educated as to what strategies do work in the south. Because instead of 51 houses, which my business partner and I bought in the northwest, if we'd have bought five in the south, we'd have been better off. I mean, that's mm -hmm. true mm -hmm. yes. because of yeah. capital growth over Definitely. time. Uh, but yeah. because of your network and your connections and your history in the northeast, it, it's just too. Um, it's it's just too. It's easy is the wrong word. It's it's just um, you could get going quicker, faster, find great deals for investors who think they want to go north for cash flow, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. so that was so you're in Bedford. But you're sourcing in the northeast. Um, you're compliant now, right? Uh, you you joined our mastermind. Always a pleasure to uh, see you on a monthly basis, Violet. You're one of our most active masterminders, and you're you're out viewing stuff every day now. Okay, so mm -hmm. how's it going now? What's what's it like finding deals today? Some friends are finding it difficult. Uh, the market's a bit hot. Today, we're saying, but we don't know what's going to happen in 12 months' time. Uh, and what about your investors' database? How are, you, how are you getting on with both of those things? Finding deals, finding investors. Finding deals. I looked at a lot of fantastic, what I thought were fantastic deals when I was in the North a couple of weeks ago. Um, but you know what I'm finding now, David, is that the estate agents are becoming wiser and it's not easy to deal with them. I, I don't, you know, I've dealt with them a long time, but, you know, they're saying to me, well, this is going to go, you know, some wrecked houses, David, that I think are on, are, oh, no. oh, sorry, David, um, 
wrecked houses that to me are only worth X and if I could spend this on it and oh stop it whatever how dangerous no it's all right we, it. Let's get, we keep it real Violet this is cool with your phone's going at your end or whatever it is we're not worried about that sort of thing um um, yes, some ridiculous. Some of these properties are going for ridiculous prices, and I need to convert them into a deal for an investor who's going to make him good money, either as a flip or as a buy to let or um, buy refurbish refinance. And so it's much more difficult. I, I think I might be wrong, but um, so the, you need to look at more properties and sift out, you know, the good deals from those that are not. Yeah, I, I think it is a numbers game. The other thing that's hit me around the head, so I've noticed it, and I've got it loud and clear, and Adam may have mentioned it to you when he met up with you last week. He may not have done. Um, some houses we've lost, Violet, because we couldn't go far enough. And in this hot market, um, mm. buyers are jumping in saying, yes, I'll have it, yes, I'll have it, yes, I'll have it. That's not actually buying a house, right? That's having an offer mm. accepted. And what we see happening six weeks down the line is the lender isn't quite as enthusiastic uh, mm -hmm. than the, um, the buyer was. And these are getting downvalued now, or they're getting valued at sensible numbers by the lender, which means that as an investor, instead of, say, a 25% uh, deposit on a buy-to-let property, they're having to leave in significant amount of money more. And that's spoiling the deal. And the, the houses we couldn't buy in January, February, during lockdown, right? suddenly we, we had three last week come back to us that we huh? offered on some time before. Now, we always get the odd house come back to us, right? But it seems to be increasing in the current market. So I think the jury's out. Yes. I, mean, I, yes. Get, I get the hot market. If people are buying cash, okay, right? But if they're buying on a mortgage... There's a few trip wires. That's what I see, Violet. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's it's much more tricky, but you know, it's about hanging in there, David, and not giving up on something. If you lose it today, it'll be back on the market, possibly, you know, in a month or two, because the deal has fallen through. And as we know, was it one in three deals collapse? So I have a, a file of all of the properties I've viewed and all of the, you know, offers I've made and everything and um, so I, I revisit them call the agents because they don't always come back to you and say actually this is back on the market agents don't necessarily do that but, uh, mm, so I think it's it's just constantly going through your file and constantly looking at more properties and having a pipeline let's say so that something you viewed a couple of months ago might come back and be a decent deal now so it's it's quite a long term um, thing. It's not it, it's not going to happen today. I think you've got to be patient and build up the contacts and find the properties and just work through it all the time. Yeah, and today is only today if you look at it from today. But if you build your pipeline and you know you put in meat in your sausage machine to use that phrase again over a period of months, you know today is. Late three months ahead of us, right? Yeah. So you, once you get on that virtuous circle where uh, you're viewing things, you're losing the deal, it's you're looking out for it because historically there was always one in three fell through. I I mm -hmm. believe we're going into a period now where it's going to be more than one in three. Um, mm -hmm. 
But you've got to be in the game. You've got to be out there looking for these. You've got to be chasing maybe every four weeks, you know, oh, has the deal gone? Is there anything I can do to help? You know, is it still gone or is it mm-hmm. might become available? You know, that sort of thing. You've got to follow these things up. I'm talking to all the friends out there in, in property sourcing world, right? I'm going to swerve you into investors and I'm going yeah. to ask you a couple of questions that I haven't prepped you for, but I think it's really important. So without mentioning any names, Violet, Mm-hmm. I know you had a couple of issues with investors. So I think it'd be very valuable to share your ex- experience as a, as a case study for our deal packages out there listening as to, you know, what can happen, what might happen, how you fixed it. Well, a lot of the investors I have are people I've worked with for a long time who know that um, I know the Northeast and what's where to look for properties. Um, I'm, you, 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 know, you, had a, you had a couple of new investors, potential investors, who let you down. Yes. So yeah. let's talk about the principle as opposed to the specific. What, what sort of things do uh, investors do when they're not proper investors? Um, they want you... Well, I think you have to cross the T's, dot the I's and have your agreements in place yes. so that when you, um, when these people approach you, you can say, right, okay, um, I have a few deals that would just suit you particularly, but we need to agree that um, we'll have some agreement between us so that you're happy and I'm happy. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, this is where what I where I was trying to sort of just gently nudge you towards. So terms and conditions. So yes. gone are the days, Violet, when you and I were brought up on you know a handshake. My word is my bond, right? And uh, relationships can be cemented like that. Now, um, obviously, there are people you can do with it. Um, to be honest, Violet, if you and I were working together, I, I'm sure we would be fine, right? But there are people that come along will take advantage of the fact that you haven't cemented the deal. Yeah. You haven't cemented the deal with them, not the deal, property deal. You haven't cemented the relationship with them, right? Yes. And yeah. um, you and lo- I'm far too trusting, David. Far yeah. too trusting. Yeah. That's, and that's, a, that's an old-fashioned thing. Because, I mean, a, a deal, I, I've worked with a deal packager up in the Northeast for years, and we've been selling deals, and we've always had a gentleman's agreement, no, nothing written down, where if I found a deal or he did, and one of us sold it, then we would share the, you know, and, but, you know, that's not the case nowadays. You have to do things properly, because there are people who will come along and snatch your deal and say, thank you very much, here's tons. And, um, you know, so I've, I've had to learn that not everybody's as trusting and maybe it's as easy to deal with as I am. I'm far too nice. Yeah, so you've had a couple of different instances where, what should we call them, bright young bucks, Violet, with a bit of property education, have come along and they've tried to <coughs> circumvent you and, and, and get the deal, not letting Violet get her fee. That sort of thing has happened to you. And, um, you know, this is real-world stuff, so... Um, what due diligence, if you're meeting somebody new now as an investor who says they're an investor, what sort of process do you take them through? In the, just the headings, right? Um, 
what do you do to make sure a they're serious and b you're going to get paid uh, we need uh, well i use a, a non-disclosure agreement david i don't uh, and i also um ask for proof of funds their identity and and all that and some people readily give me give me that straight away yes um others are a bit hesitant and i think well okay that's fine um, I'll deal with the people who are serious and who, who have the funds and are ready to go now rather than waste too much time on those who are messing about. They're not sure. They probably might not have the funds in the first place because let's face it, we are, we are um, bombarded with a lot of people who want to invest in property who are thinking about it, but we're busy. Yes. We? And just those little hurdles. These are not big hurdles for people to jump over, you know, uh, proof yeah. of ID and address and proof of funds or uh, an agreement in principle from their mortgage broker, right? That they're good for the money, right? Even though it's not specific to a property. You know, those I regard, so those are steps that we are required by the legislation to go through, but I prefer to see them as little hurdles. You know, we're just testing whether the investor is real and serious. So, um, you know, in the old days, I might have, um, and you've done this, I know, but I might have, because uh, if we go back far enough, you know, I wasn't compliant because we didn't, do, we, none of us were compliant. We didn't understand. I'm not even sure how um, vehemently this was enforced back in uh, 2004, 5, 6. I mean, who knew, right? Um, but everything was done the handshake. And, um, yeah, one or two people let me down at the death. Um, somebody never paid their fee. Would I pursue it through the small claims court when it seems pretty cut and dried to me? Um, do you know what? I didn't. I didn't violate. But I know who they are. Right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, they, I just wouldn't work with them again. Now it's very different. Now we have... <laughs> On our, so you're a masterminder, you've got access to our documents and stuff like that. There's a couple of different terms and condition documents there. Anyone needs terms and conditions, you need to work with us and, and we'll give you terms and conditions. I think there's a very basic two sides of A4 one, and then there's one with about six or seven pages in there. The one that we use at Progressive Let Sourcing has got 23 pages now. Mm -hmm. Um, now, obviously, I didn't compose it. I'm intrigued to sit and read it. And um, also that, you know, our investors, we, we try and work with a specific type of person who, who we want to work with. They're pretty savvy, Violet. They are, they are experienced. And that agreement always prompts a conversation. As soon as we send it to them, the same two or three clauses are the, you know, stumbling blocks at every point. Right. But those two or three clauses are key because they're, they're the ones that sort of belt and braces tie in our position. Okay. Now, it's not my agreement, and maybe I'll be a bit softer. I inherited the agreement, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, but it does do a job, I have to say. You know, mm -hmm. once they've gone through those little objections, then they're in, right? They are in at that point, and we can work together. I like to meet up with investors, David, and face to face, have a conversation, see what sort of person I'm dealing with, and they me the same, you know, vice versa. And you know, uh, it's what about, trust. What about viewing the properties, Violet? Would you let um, 
an investor buy a property, A, if they haven't viewed it or they didn't intend to view it before exchange of contract. So you can agree a deal and they can come afterwards, but do you make, in your own mind, do you think it's really necessary for an investor to view a house? Um, my answer to that, David, is no. I want to suss it out and I want to suss the investor out and make sure I'm not handing away a good deal to someone. So I'm quite I'm quite protective of my information as the years have gone on. Um, that I've had to learn the hard way. But an investor will trust you once they get to know you. Um, and they'll say, right, OK, we know that this is a good deal and it's in an area we want to be in. And, you know, let's go with it. And then by all means, if they want to view, I shall view it with them. Yes. I, good. I'm glad you tagged that last bit on. So, yeah, the timing is key. All the all the paperwork has to be done and dusted, right? And then mm -hmm. we're into the process. Um, in my world, Viola, I'm speaking for myself, I wouldn't let an investor buy a property that they haven't viewed um, because... Mm. You, you know, this is these are big ticket items, houses, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's not like Kit Kats, right, and stuff like that. Um, so I think it's important because I don't want any comebacks later. Oh, you never told me there was a blue carpet in the bedroom, right, and all that malarkey, right? Mm -hmm. So I need, I think, I need my investors to view once everything's secured and we're on our way. I get that, okay. Mm -hmm. So I tend not to deal with virtual investors. Okay. I'm having a bit of a wrestle at the moment, Violet. I'll be interested in your views because you're going to have these people in the northeast. Deal packages, or, or I'm not even sure what they are. They're kind of uh, three times I've in in the in the last month I've been approached by people who tell me they've got a, a conglomerate of overseas investors, generally from Southeast Asia, Far East. China and they got control of everything and they want to buy 50 houses this week because there's so much money there right okay and I sit and listen politely have you come across this at all yes I have yes okay so um what's your experience of it I'll tell you what my experience is after what's your experience of those type of people how's it gone for you Violet? Well, I've not been directly involved in anyone from overseas with loads of money to buy things, but other people I've spoken to in the progressive community have said, yes, we have this. And I would say I would be very careful about where the money is coming from. Obviously, um, you need to, you know, it all needs to be dealt with by the bank. And um, I, don't know, I don't know where this money is coming from or who, or who these people are, and I, well, I just yeah. would be very cautious. I get it. So, and and absolutely, my criteria is absolutely that. So, my first question to them is, where is the cash? Where is the money today? Is it in a UK bank account, right? Is it in, a, in an escrow account with a UK-based solicitor? Because if it is, then those institutions have to go through significant amount of due diligence and you know, we do our due diligence, but I'm comforted by the fact that they have already done it, okay? Uh, if the money's still abroad, well, I can't even have a conversation with them because who knows, who knows where the money is and what it is and stuff like that. Um, and the other thing I've found is that, you know, the people that say they want 50 houses this week, right? Actually, they don't. It's, it's, 
and they you know they put down a lot of rules and regulations and conditions and you know it's i'd rather work with my group of investors because you know you you've been doing it a little while people don't listening might not believe us Viola, that uh once you get a bit of experience as a deal packager you've got investors you've got yeah. I mean, how many do you need half a dozen is a business mm -hmm. right um mm -hmm. it's getting the deals at the moment it's the most important thing so why will i cherry pick the best deals and send them to people i don't even know who might not perform when my investors you know who i've got a relationship now are ready to buy and i want to look after them and move forward with them i don't know what your view is on that yeah absolutely i agree because we have our reputations at stake here yeah. if we mess a vendor about or or an agent they're going to say well actually she hasn't really got you know real investors they're just messing people about and wasting our time so yes that's been a challenge david because i've had people who said exactly what you just said and um so yes we're still learning we've learned a lot david over the years but we're still learning indeed where, what, where are we going now then um violet so thank you so much for, for sharing your experience to this point right how do you see violet's property business growing over the next year or two or three or however long I'll never I'll never give up, David. The Queen's <laughs> ninety something, isn't she? And you know, I love what I do, and I love people, and I think I shall be still deal packaging when I'm I'm the same age as the Queen. But um, in fairness, the Queen the Queen doesn't have to do her own viewings, Violet. To be fair. <laughs> well, do you know? Um, I shall still be deal packaging forever because there are going to be lots of people who are looking for deals, and I just love looking for properties for them. Well, and. Well, let's let's say it out loud. If you're listening to this, um, property sourcing profiteers. If you're listening to this, if you want to buy a really great cash flowing deal that you know there's boots on the ground to look after your investment, right? And it's going to be sound and solid. Uh, speak to Violet. Speak to Violet Harrison. Um, yeah, I would let my mum, who's nearly but not quite as old as the Queen, uh, buy a house of Violet. I wouldn't hesitate, right? Um, if you're a packager and you're you're working in the south of England, I would encourage you to build your network with packages in the north of England. I'm not volunteering Violet services in this uh, episode, but I would she would be one of half a dozen people that I would speak to. Absolutely. So um, Violet, you've you've done great. You're doing great. You're going to package forever. Um, other than packaging, where do you see it going? Your well, you, I like service accommodation as well, David, and I, there's a lot of that because I had a holiday lets up in Durham where I lived, which yeah. were just absolutely great. Um, but here, um, property is so much more expensive. I think set rent to service accommodation, rent to rent and all of that is something I've learned through Progressive that has huge potential. Fact. From, well, what, that's, that's a brilliant place to pause our conversation because mm. I'm going to ask you maybe down the line, six months down the line, maybe we could come back and talk specifically again about your rent-to-rent -rent service accommodation experience and maybe share it. Either you're running them yourself or packaging them. I don't know. that Again, this is something new to me, Violet. We haven't discussed this before. So um, can we get together in a six months' time, talk about that? You're happy with that? Sure, sure, uh, absolutely. And can I say how grateful I am for your time today? Um, I think there's been a huge amount in this episode, learning for everybody. 
uh, property sourcing profiteers. Um, I really enjoyed this. I hope you've enjoyed it too, and you've got a lot out of it. Do what Violet says. There's great wisdom there. Okay, and um, if anyone's out there sourcing property for profit, get out there, do all the work. You're going to sell all of them. It's going to be great. Thank you, David. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I am David Siegler. See you on the next episode.